To really understand New York sports, you gotta breathe it, live it, experience it. Whether you're watching the Grom strike out batters at City Field, or watching Randall Barrett and the Knicks at the Garden, heck, even watching KD, Kyrie, or Harden drop 50 in Brooklyn. Whether you're a Yankees fan, Rangers fan, Giants fan, Jets fan, or even an Islanders fan, there's one thing they all got in common. They represent this city, just like this podcast does. Rotten Apple Sports. Tune in. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Apple Sports Podcast. This is your boy, Larry. As always, I'm joined by my guys, Will and Los. And today, Will is joining us all the way from the Dominican Republic. He's on vacation, but he couldn't miss out on this. We got a special episode. It's the NBA trade deadline special. And we got a lot to talk about. Most importantly, Los's Knicks pulled off a mega trade today. I mean, I said Knicks. I'm so sorry, bro. Los's Nets pulled off a mega trade today, trading James Harden and Paul Millsap to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Los, I know you've been in your bag. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. I know you've been in your bag all day. I'm going to stop you right there. The Nets didn't pull off shit. Philadelphia pulled off the trade. The Nets just went along with it because they had no chance to do anything about it. And everything is going to come out the next couple of days. I hate this trade. I hated the last couple of days. But what can you do? This was a situation that didn't need to get this far. But with the players involved and the personalities involved, I guess you could say it was bound to happen. I just thought it'd be after a few years instead of after 13 months. Just uh, all around disappointment from the beginning. This all goes back to, you know, who not getting his shot. People were walking around on eggshells. We'll get into the basketball court and, you know, what's the cause and effect of the trade and stuff. Ah, Get into that right now. Please, talk about the cause and effect. Tell us how you feel, man. Tell us how you feel. You're the only Nets fan on this podcast. So you got to speak to the Nets fans for us. Tell us how you feel, man. I feel that the Nets got worse. I feel that the Nets handed off, if not the Eastern Conference to the Sixers, it, it made them move up a notch and close with Milwaukee. Milwaukee at this moment, you know, with the Serge Ibaka addition, which a lot of people don't think is a huge addition. I think, I think it adds depth. It puts Milwaukee as the clear number one. And then you got teams like the Nets, you got teams like Philly, you got teams like Chicago, you got teams like Miami battling for that second level. And it wasn't supposed to be this way. I think, like I said, this trade makes the Nets worse. Kyrie's still not playing full time. Ben Simmons, who knows when he's going to be able to get on the court. It could be days, it could be weeks. Uh, You know, Durant should be back after the trade deadline. Their roster is just... It's a mess. They got five centers, three rookies, two stars, maybe one and a half stars. It just maybe I'll talk myself into this deal as I go forward. But at the moment, I'm not a fan. And it just hurts because, you know, I was expecting big time, late, late playoff games, multiple years in a row with this team. And maybe it still happens. Maybe it doesn't. But 
it was just a bad day. And uh, I know a lot of Net fans are talking to them. They're so into it and saying Harden quit. But like I said, Harden quit for a reason. A reason, And he was pushed to this. And here we are. I want you guys to talk. I'm just, I'm just disgusted. And tell me what you guys think, because I'm out. I, for the last couple of days, was always going to be negative on the deal. I thought the Nets would lose no matter what. I still think the Nets lost. Um, I think they should have asked for more. I would have been, I would have been happy if they walked away with Thibel, but I don't know. I'm, I just look at everything as a negative right now, and it's hard for me not to. I think I, you you can't really put too much blame on James in this in that sense because I think James was sold the idea of this pairing between Kyrie, him, and KD, and once they saw this season that Irving wasn't a hundred percent all in, and KD was riddled with injuries, he felt like he wasn't he didn't want to be a one man show. He felt like maybe we don't have the best chance to win a championship if we don't have a full Kyrie, not knowing what you're gonna get from him. If he's in or he's out, he could easily change his mind next week and say he decided he's not going to play. He's that kind of player. So um, James decided that he wasn't going to do this whole Houston thing all over again here in Brooklyn. Um, you could say KD's there, but KD, the last few years, it's his injury in, injury out. So he, he went with was sure, and that's um, uh, the big process down in Philadelphia. And, and beat having an MVP-type season. You know, he's just going to join that, and, and, you know, they're going to be a dangerous force down there, whether people like it or not. What's funny is I don't think that's sure either. Embiid gets hurt every year also, but I understand where you're coming from. I just don't like the way he went about it. It was bitch. It was bitch-like. Him I mean, and, and, in, in a and, superstar you know, era. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's, it's bitch-like. What, what Irving did is bitch-like. What Harden did is bitch-like. Divas, you know, when you get on the court and you don't put no effort, I mean – I can't get mad though because he did the same thing to Houston. So I mean, this is what this is uh what we expected when if it came to, if it got this bad, and it happened really quickly. And when when you quit on the team, you quit on the team. You know whether it, you had a good reason to or not, you quit. And he quit. I'm not saying I don't because I've been defending him the last couple of days. Also, I can see why he quit, but he still quit. You know, yeah, yeah. and maybe it works out for him in Philly. And maybe it doesn't, but part of me hopes it doesn't because of the way he quit. And, you know, I don't want that shit to get rewarded. I'm, and of I'm course, I'm an F fan, so I don't want to see that. I'm with you, Los. I, I feel like it's fucked up that he quit on the team. Like, he has every reason to feel some type of way about, like, Kyrie and him not signing up for this. Hey, Larry, I'm really sorry to cut you off, but... I got to also let it be known. Ben Simmons played on on Philly also. So this is not a pro. But net, Philly, Philly you know quit on Ben too. Philly yeah, quit yeah. on Ben. And, and Philly Simmons, quit on Ben. Philly threw him under the bus. Like you, you <clears> comparing, <throat> you comparing apples to oranges by bringing that up. But look, James Harden, he has every right to feel some type of way about how things been going down in Brooklyn. But at the same time, you forced your way to Brooklyn. Things mm-hmm. didn't work out the way you expected. But who 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 expected there to be like who knew that there was gonna be a vaccine mandate and that COVID and well, I mean COVID already happened when he went to Brooklyn. Like we were already in the midst of a pan- pandemic. But 
Nobody knew for a fact that we was going to have a vaccine mandate. Nobody knew that Kyrie was going to be opposed to the vaccine mandate. Like, these are unfortunate, unforeseen circumstances. And I get that this isn't what you signed up for. But at the end of the day, you can't keep quitting on the team every time the going gets tough. Like, you're under a contract. Like, but at the same time, I'm also not mad at him. Like, and I'm not mad at the situation. And I disagree with you that the, um, that this is all like in the Sixers favor. Yes, this would have looked better if they got Thibault, but you get Seth Curry who helps with the shooting. You've been talking about how y'all need a rebounding, y'all need a defense, y'all need a shooting. This one trade addresses all of those needs. Yes, granted. You just gave up one of the best one-on-one scorers in the history of the game. Yes, but you were going to lose him in the offseason anyway. You were going to lose him in the offseason anyway. Ben Simmons is under contract. He's not like the Kyrie situation where he's such a wild card. You don't know when he's going to play. You know, I'm, I'm trying to word this properly w- without bashing Kyrie, but no, like... Like, you got to take into consideration, like, the situation in Philly is a situation where, yeah, he was soft. He went about things the wrong way. I don't agree with everything he did. But at the end of the day, he, um, his whole thing was he didn't want to play in Philly anymore. The same thing that happened with James Harden, where he was, he was bullshitting his way through games and he didn't want to be in Houston anymore. He showed up out of shape or the, you know, like. Ben Simmons' whole shit was he didn't want to play in Philly. And then immediately reports come out. He's excited about the change of scenery. He's excited about coming to Brooklyn. He's already spoke to KD. He's already spoke to Kyrie. He's spoken to Sean Marks. Like, this, you get an all-defensive talent who's still young. Granted, he can't shoot. He doesn't want to shoot. Maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe he decides that he's going to be willing to shoot the ball. Who knows? Maybe you get the same player he was before the playoffs last year, but you're getting a guy that adds so much to the defensive side. He adds playmaking where he's going to help get your shooters open. The, the, even though you have mid-level shooters, right? It's not like you got a bunch of 40% shooters on the nets, but he's going to help get those guys open. He's going to help set up Kyrie Irving. He can play that playmaker role that James Harden had. Just you're not going to get the same scoring, but you're going to get the defense that you're not getting from a single player on the roster right now. Then on top of that, you get Seth Curry, someone who who he has familiarity with from last year, someone who is an elite three-point shooter. Then you get Andre Drummond, someone who you wanted last year. Someone I wanted the Nets. Someone everybody thought the Nets were going to get last year. Who immediately solves your rebounding problem. Like, you, granted, it's not James Harden. You're not going to get the same offensive punch. But James Harden hasn't been the James Harden that he was in Houston. He was trending in that direction, but he still wasn't the James Harden that you were hoping to get. The same one that was in Houston that led that Rockets team the MVP caliber James Harden. That wasn't what y'all were getting for most of the time he was there. He still has the hamstring issue. 
Like this is, and you got two first round picks. One of them is unprotected. So me, look, this is how I look at it. People, even net fans, have been seeing this as a type of a negative. And, and like you, Larry, I, I don't see it as a negative. I see this to me as a positive for the franchise because you know what? Just like Kyrie's the wild card and KD is hurt, you know what you're getting from Ben Simmons. And regardless what happens in the next few years with this guy, this is a guy that you could build around. He's young enough and talented enough that you could build a roster around him. He could be your main focus in a few years if KD decides that he's going to go somewhere or you decide not to re-up Kyrie for any reason. He's the cornerstone now. He's young enough, athletic enough. He's a rare talent in this league. So if anybody's going to bash this deal and tell you got the you got the end the bad end of the stick, they're lying. Because we're not going to bash James Harden. He's a, he's an elite talent, but he's on the downside of his career. Ben Simmons is on the upside of his career. So it's two different trajectories. And when you're going to come to a franchise like the Nets, who from here on out are going to expect to win, you're going to have this youth and athleticism. He's a, a rare breed. No, no matter what anybody tells you, that's a rare talent. That's a triple double walking into the gym. I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. And you know, we all watch the Atlantic Division. You know, Sixers, Celtics, Nets, Knicks—they're all in the same division. So we watch these guys a lot. And I asked this question earlier because I'm trying not to think about it as an F fan. I'm trying to just take my neck glasses off. Does and I I guess you guys answered it already, but. Does Ben Simmons fit with these guys currently? Or like Chris Haynes mentioned earlier before the game, I don't know if you guys saw it, should the Nets put down their expectations for this year because they are adding guys in with, what, 20 games left, 25 games left? It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Is Ben Simmons a good fit right now with this roster right now? Or, or do we just, you know, let it play out and – Worry about fixing other things in the offseason. I think both can be true. I think both can be true. He can be a good fit right now with his current roster because he adds so much value. Now, what you have to take into consideration is that now without James Harden and that and like what he brings offensively, the Nets, in my opinion, are no longer without a doubt, favorites to come out of the East if fully healthy and Kyrie gets to play, right? Like, they're not, in my opinion, anymore. Now it's the Bucks. The Bucks made some moves around the margins to improve their team, and they were already up there close with the Nets. Now, I still feel like the Nets can beat them, but it's not as cut and dry as it once was. So that's one. Then you got um. I'm sorry. What was the original? Que- what was the question? Just the original question was. Oh, the, now and now in the future, now, right? Now and now in the future. future. Yeah. So, but he still brings enough to the team that, and now that they're more off, um, de- well-rounded defensively. Now that they're a more well-rounded team, missing in theory, missing what James Harden brought to the team. Fully healthy, Kyrie available, KD available. It shouldn't hurt you as much as you would think with it being James Harden, because of what else? Because you guys are a better rebounding and more defensively sound team, and everything that Will said, 
look, you look to the future, right? Whether the, the Nets decide to move on from Joe Harris and not in the offseason, like, they have avenues where they can bring in role players and bring in more shooters on cheap contracts, right? And that makes them a better team already. And then if, I know you don't want to think about it, but if KD doesn't play out his contract with the Nets, because he just signed an extension, right? In the all season. So if KD doesn't finish out his contract with the Nets, if Kyrie doesn't finish out his contract and sign an extension with the Nets, whether it's by his choice or the Nets choice, you have a young all-star, all defense, all NBA defensive talent that you can build around. Maybe he's not the answer, but he can be a part of it, an integral part of it. Yeah, I just want to say, like, going forward, after this, and all jokes aside, I'll even with Durant signing an extension, I'll never just assume, oh, this guy is here to stay because he signed, you know, because anything can happen. This proved anything can happen at any time in the NBA. You know, the NBA. The but it's not just look. this. We've seen it for years, bro. We've seen it for years. Yeah, but this, it all this started. Like it, it all started. So with the, look, it all started with LeBron going to um Miami, right. right? It all started with LeBron going to Miami. And yeah. players realizing that they have a choice. But if you really think about it, the teams are the ones that created this. I say that it all starts with, with LeBron because of the whole player empowerment thing, but he gets all the blame. But if you really think about it in situations like this, it's the organizations that started this shit. Because you go back to when Carmelo Anthony was about to be a free agent, right? With the Denver Nuggets. He didn't he didn't request a trade. He just told them he wasn't signing a contract extension. Denver said, we're trading you so we don't lose you for nothing. The same thing happened with Deron Williams. And you see it across all professional sports, bro. Once a player, the only sport you don't necessarily see this with is the NFL because they have the franchise tag. And then with the MLB because they have arbitration. Yeah. Most players, most athletes, regardless of the sport, nine times out of ten, are professional enough to just play out their contract. You have situations, we've seen it many, many times, where players sit out through training camp, they try to force their hand, force the team's hand, get whatever leverage they can. We've seen it, yeah. But more often than not, athletes are professional enough to play out their contract and then just bounce in free agency. But the teams... Don't never want to let these players walk for anything. And I respect it. You don't want to just lose them for nothing. You might as well get something in return if you're not going to be able to keep them, right? Cool. I respect that. But don't sit here and blame the players and say that the players are wrong for requesting trades when, yeah, as a fan, of course you want that player to stay. You want that player to show loyalty to the organization. But at the same time, there's a whole reason why there's an option to trade. The teams haven't been honoring contracts since the beginning of time. Players didn't always have the option of free agency in this league. They had to be traded in order to go to another team. Organizations have always had the power to say, I don't care about this contract. I don't want you anymore. I'm going to send you over here. 
I don't care what your living situation is. I don't care what your family situation is. I don't care about nothing going on in your personal life. This person is willing to give me this for you. I don't care. I'm not honoring your contract. I'm trading you. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it was a part of the rules, right? Players should have every fucking right to be like, you know what? I don't want to be here. Whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, as fans, we're all going to have our own mixed emotions about it, depending on the situation, because of our love for the fan base and our love for the team itself. But why should players owe the organizations? In certain situations, I do do feel like players be owing loyalty because there are instances where organizations have showed loyalty to these players. But for the most part, these players don't owe them shit. But this is like a people don't get it. All they owe them is the professionalism of doing their job and giving effort until they're out of town. It's the common courtesy. That's really what it is. Because like any job, if you decide one day you're going to move your job, you decide you're going to get another job. And you want you got to tell your boss that you got to leave. That's exactly what it is. It's it's no different. The only thing is the guys play a sport. And to me, bouncing off the question that Lowe said, you may see this team as a as not the top favorite as it was going in to start the year. Maybe now because of the moves the Bucks made and the Heat coming on strong and certain teams, you know, that that bond is there. The Nets haven't played enough games together to maybe get a a, a structure of 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 a championship team. But going forward as an organization, I think today was a win. Because like I told you, regardless of what these guys do going forward, you have a building block going going forward now with Ben Simmons that you didn't have 24 hours ago. 24 hours ago, if one of these guys decided he wasn't going to play ball anymore or or two of them got hurt, you were in purgatory. Because then what was going to happen? You had no draft picks. You had really nothing. So today, you, you filled the cupboard up for when this window closes, you're not left bare. I was going to ask, but I think I already know. Earlier today, Bobby Marks on ESPN said that <clears throat> when James Harden signs his extension, it has a chance to be one of the worst contracts like in NBA history. Um, and they said he said that we'll be looking at it like we're looking at the rest book contract right now. What do you guys yeah, think apparently, about Yeah, apparently he's, he has the ability to make like $60 million at age 38. 37, I believe. Yeah. Like, that's outrageous. That's outrageous. That's a ridiculous contract. But but you know what? That's probably only maybe like 30, 35% of what the salary cap is going to be when it At that time. Exactly. Because they're about to get that gambling money soon. Mm -hmm. And that salary cap is going to skyrocket. The salary cap is already going up next year. And I don't think it kicks in yet. The gambling it doesn't. Nope. No, no. Not yet. Not yet. They, they already, I don't know if you guys saw, they already announced the number. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty, you know, it's a significant amount higher than it is now. I think they said that the, <clears throat> the projected cap is like 11% higher than what they originally estimated coming into the season. Mm-hmm. So revenue is up, man. Like the league is doing good. It shouldn't affect the Sixers too much. And, and, and like, to go back to, to Lowe's about the, um, and what I said about them being the favorites, I don't think the Heat or anybody, like, I still feel like it's just the Bucks that are on their level or better. But now the Sixers have greatly increased their, their um, title chances. And I think that's what, I think deep down, 
Los's biggest issue isn't what the Nets got. It's what the Sixers got. The yeah. fact that they're in the same conference and the same division, and it makes the playoff road that much tougher. You, you want to know the what Nets, I thought of? You can't be mad at the Nets return, though. No, no. This is what I thought of earlier, because I always think negative, like I said. Yeah, I'm like, this playoff, this playoff is going to be crazy for the Nets. They lose to Cleveland. Oh, my God. They lost to Jared Allen and, and Harris LeVert. They lose to Milwaukee. Shit. Milwaukee beat them two times in a row. They lose to Philly. James Harden came back and beat the Nets. Like, they either got to win or lose to somebody else, because this shit is crazy. You know, we got to start doing video podcasts soon because I think that if the right person sees our podcast, Los would immediately start getting calls to be like a spokesperson for like Zoloft and all those things. Like, <laughs> that is, that like all those commercials where they be like, you remember those commercials back in the day with the little rock all sad and shit? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The takes his Zoloft and then comes out all happy and shit. They gonna be doing shit like that with Los, man. Instantly, this this man is so negative. He can never see the positives in anything with his teams, unless I it's cannot. the Mets. He always gets false oh, no, hope no. with the Mets. With he the, gets false the... hope with the Mets, but he can't see the positive in shit when it comes to any other team. And and you guys know, you know, to the listeners who listen, they they've heard it before. They know the negativity is there. When the Nets got Harden in the big three, I complained that they got Harden. You know, so. And I'm complaining now that they traded him. So it comes full Look, circle. You know, you know what it is? Is a lot of the, the expectation was was bubbling this season, right? Because people thought now they had a, a whole year together. They were, this was it. It was going to go through Brooklyn. And now the injury started. Kyrie didn't get the vax. A lot of negativity. KD constantly hurt. Uh, the Harris got hurt. And the rotations were bad. Players weren't. You know, up to, you have Bruce Brown doing good last year. He wasn't doing good this year. You got players, a lot of, a lot of, you know, feedback that wasn't they weren't expecting. So now it should be where you where you take it as an open mind. Like, okay, we may not beat the favorites, but we have a hell of a good team. I, I, this is what I understand. A lot of people, okay, you're not the top notch favorite to win the championship. Fine. A lot of teams haven't been the favorites and won the title. That, I, to me, that's stupid. I, I really don't put too much mind to that. Is the unit together on the floor a good one when you put it out there? And to me, it is. You know, they're a good defensive unit. A lot of the problems in this had this year is because they couldn't defend the light post. So now you're fixing that problem. With one of the most elite scorers in the league with KD coming back, if Kyrie, you know, gets his head together, and that's, that's two of the best players in the league on your team. And then you're adding, you're adding Ben Simmons on there. Come on. It also sounds like they hated each other. And we just didn't really know. It sounded like, you know, you know how like. Wait, what happened? What I miss that, no, that it just, sounds like. like they hated just each other. All, like all the reports are coming out. Like I saw a part that uh, a report that um, Kyrie was doing his sage. And, you know, I guess Harden was looking at him like he was crazy. And, you know, the relationship. Like but people got to understand the relationship here is, is, a, is a crazy dynamic. Because the relationship really is, KD's the, the, the denominator, right? Because KD's friends with Kyrie, and he's friends with James. Yeah, I'm but glad James you is not, this up. James is not, James is not friends with, with Kyrie. What? I'm glad you brought this James. up. I'm glad you specifically mentioned this, because I, I, I don't know I if y'all watched the say. NBA All-Star draft, yes. but yes, the whole I time, did. all I kept thinking was, KD really fuck with Kyrie way more than he fuck with Harden. 
You could tell KD felt some type of way. And he did his best to keep his composure. Because, you know, he don't like telling the media shit. So he did his best to try to keep his composure and avoid drafting Harden. But he knew he knew LeBron was going to do what he did. But, like, the whole time, like, his face and him trying to justify everything, especially when he got down to the end and he picked Rudy Gobert over him. Rudy like, Gobert his face while he was breaking down. Yeah, like when, but KD's facial expression while he's giving the analysis on why he's picking Rudy Gobert over James Harden, you could just tell the whole time like he's full of shit, and he felt some type of way about Harden um requesting the trade. Will, did you see that or no? I didn't. I didn't get to see that because so, I, I wasn't. I wasn't on. He was so too busy eating pastelas and, and shit. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> basically, at the end. It's uh, Harden and Gobert left, and Durant got the nerve to say he needs size on his team when he already has Carl Anthony Towns, he has Joe Embiid, and he's like, oh, yeah, I need size, so I'm going to take Rudy Gobert. He was never going to take he was never gonna take Harden, but it was just like the the build up slowly. Like, you know, you like, know when they said, you know when somebody told me uh, a few days ago that I was, I was trying to get intel about what was going on. I was like, is this trade really going to happen? This, they were like, listen, it's on the burner. It's there. I thought it was smoke and mirrors. So I, I wanted to find out. And they were telling me that a lot of this problem started a few weeks ago when, what was the quote, the quote that James Harden said about Kyrie and the shot? If I have to oh, give him said, the shot myself. He said, I'm going to give him the shot myself. Yeah. So that, I suppose, I, I guess that, that didn't go well in the locker room. And Kyrie James was Harden upset said about that. about Kyrie? Yeah, yeah, he said he was going to give him the because shot Because they himself. asked him a question because Kyrie had just went off for like 20-something, and they asked him what the difference was with Kyrie playing full-time and obviously not there, which, of course, everybody knows, you know, if you're there full-time. Bottom line, they only played a little bit of time together, but when they all played, they won a majority, a high majority of the game. So he gave his answer. He said, I'm going to give him the shot myself, which whatever. Kyrie probably took it some type of way. You know how he is. Yo, can it, you it, believe? There's nothing against him, but you know. It's, whether, it's, <laughs> whether it's KD's calf, Kyrie and his agenda K- against the vaccination K- or KD's James Harden's or James Harden's hamstring, oh, they've only played 16 games together since James Harden got traded there last year. Yeah, 16. 16. That's crazy. That's incredible, man. I'm waiting for the 30 for 30. I hopefully, hopefully not too long. Maybe a couple of <laughs> no, years. I feel like I, I, not for nothing, no. Bro. No, because you like, got to wait now. Now you got to wait. I love you, wait, but bro. I'm tired of talking about the nuts. No, that's fine. But I'm saying for the 30 for 30, you got to wait now to see what happens within the next couple of years. Because you got to, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be saucy in a couple of years. So okay. it's coming. Right, pause. 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 Hey, that was wild behavior. So, um, Will, how you feel about the Knicks staying quiet during the trade deadline? I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. You know, when they did the Cam trade a few weeks ago, I, I, I kind of thought that was the precursor to them. If they stayed competitive, that they would go out and add to the team. But if they were free-falling, that was going to be it. Um, from my sources today, they, they tried. They, they basically dangled Burks, Noel, Kemba to every team in the league. And <laughs> nobody wanted those three guys. So I guess the thing is for them, as they're thinking in the front office is as the off season, you know, winds down and we go into the to free agency, a lot of these guys look attractive because they're on their f- expiring deals. 
So it's easier to move them to a team that's looking, you know, to make some space or add them to a trade. So the next thinking is, you know, at this point, we weren't going to add anything of value to our team this year. And if you look at it now, we're basically finishing out the string because we're not making the, even the play-in. Let's be realistic. This team is not good enough anymore. And to me is now what can you do in the offseason to, you know, get rid of these guys, make space, what kind of trades you could do? Because to them, they were trying to make space in the offseason to try to see if they could, you know, do some signings. So their whole goal is draft time and free, and they're in the free agency period where some teams have space and they're looking to get some, some, some quality players at a cheap price. The players the Knicks have there at, in their final you know, years of the deals are easier to move than they were now. Because if you looked at the deals, it wasn't really big high, except for James and Ben together. What real big names really moved? No real big names. And Christoph Pozink is not a big name anymore. So I, I, I don't consider Pozink as a big name. But other than that, you know, it was better that they stayed, stayed packed. There wasn't really nothing really for them to do. What, what I, you know, I, and of course, I don't know if you know this because, you know, you in the DR, living life, you know, you don't have to pay <laughs> attention to those type of things. But the Nick fans, I, I, I don't want to use the word unhinged, but you would think it was like the end of the world. They didn't make a move. I'm, I'm just talking from an outsider's point of mm-hmm. view. I would have assumed they would have tried, like you said, to trade Noel Burks and, you know, try to open up a spot for Cam Reddish or something like that. And, you know, if they could have, they would have. I don't think it's like such a crazy big deal. It's not. It's the, a lot of people losing their minds over nonsense, really. Because at this point, at this, if, if you look at it at this point, what, what, what would, what would a, a, a trade do? for them now when they're not even going to make the play in my, in my position. And, and here's another thing that I saw. I'm pretty sure you saw it. The uh, proposed uh, three-team trade with Toronto and the Lakers. I guess Cam Reddish was going to go to the Lakers. The Knicks were going to get Drogic and some picks and all of that. I mean, it wouldn't – would it have helped them for the offseason? Maybe. They would have gotten a couple extra picks and, and cap space. But if you notice, from what I saw earlier – this was before even the the net trade or anything. There's like five or six teams with you know a good amount of cap space, and they all small small market teams. So even if the Knicks have a lot of cap space this offseason, there's still... not even a lot of teams. No, to... no. yeah, the, that's the, what I'm saying. And not even like, players. Look at the like, look at the free agency list. The, the players that are free this year, there's not really that many players. So so it, the it, pool is not it's not a good. It's one. not there. Is Levine going to leave Chicago? I don't know. Is Bradley Beal going to finally leave Washington? I don't know. But but here's, here's the bottom line and why I brought it up. The Knicks, in my opinion, even with being a team that hasn't been great the last decade, there still will be a, a higher percentage that free agent will want to come here over, say, a Portland. Yeah. Like, and and it, it makes look the fans are overreacting. The last three or four months has been ridiculous. It's just nonsense over nonsense. It's just now poking the a, a poking a bear just to get just to get a reaction out of it. It's stupid. The, what I, moves were we gonna make this during the trade deadline that were gonna make any sense? It it didn't make fran- sense for the franchise. There wasn't nothing you, out there. Can I tell you guys what upset me? more than not them not making a trade. And I, I don't know. We haven't spoken about it. I don't know if you guys care. But 
what was RJ Barrett doing at the end of that game in the game? And, you know, I, I spoke with uh, my dad, my brother, even friends at work that are Nick fans. And one of them told me, this is the NBA now. Jokic, was, I'm Jokic, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Jokic was in the game for the, the Nuggets at the same time, you know? And I'm like, that's stupid too. You want 15 with a, a minute and change? Get the hell out the game. It's not worth it. And it's I know, ridiculous. I know Thibodeau likes nah, to play his guys big minutes, but what was he you doing? You know what? There's no excuses to me. I don't think one of the worst teams in the NBA when Jokic is not on the court. So I understand why Malone still had him on the court for the last few minutes. But well, we had we had a fake Thibodeau's run a at dickhead. the end. It was down thirteen. Thibodeau's, they weren't going to come dickhead, back. Yeah. Thibodeau used what the hell was that? Thibodeau used having a run and seeing if they could make an extra push. They were down twenty one. They cut it to thirteen. We're like two minutes left. Where and, the hell are we gonna go? Here's the thing. Here's my thing. And this is the first thing I thought about. This is not a problem. Like you said, this year is not about making the playoffs at this moment. They probably won't be a play play in team. But is this how Thibodeau is going to do things when the Knicks are good? Like, like last year, let's say last year was like this year, you know, and going forward, they're a winning team. You don't want RJ Barrett in a specific game where you're losing. What happens if he gets hurt and you're a winning team? And you're playing for playoff seeding, and you're losing for like a week or two off some nonsense like that. Because you know, I, that, I, I that, think this that, is what he believes in, you know. Uh, yeah, that's his philosophy. I think he grinds guys, you know, in a, in blowouts. I've, and we saw it last year where we we got scared that Randall was gonna get hurt because there were times the Knicks were blowing teams out, and Randall was out there with a minute left in the fourth quarter. It made no sense. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of 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 that ideology of leaving guys in at the end of games, even if you're doing a fake comeback, because, you know, RJ, the last six, seven games, they've been playing a lot of minutes. So I know that they, they go to youth and they're saying, oh, these guys are young. They're not going to... Those knees and, and and joints and all that, don't, they don't worry about age. If you get hurt and something happens in a, in a game where it doesn't make any sense, how does that going to look? It's, it's just stupid to me. I, it doesn't make any sense. I know that's the way he does things, and, and I don't know if you're going to, you know, to change the zebra stripes now at this point is is very hard, but I didn't like it. I didn't I didn't like it at all because now he doesn't play today. I don't even know when that ankle feels because ankles are a shaky thing. Ankles could last weeks without you putting any pressure on it. So yeah, I'm you know I'm not. Uh, we we've been spending way too much time on a team that ain't make no trades at the deadline. Los, what was your <laughs> What was your most shocking trade of the week for you? Like, whether not even just today, like just in general. Like, yeah. And, what was the most shocking trade for you? For me, I knew I, I knew Sabonis was gonna get traded. I just had no idea the Kings were giving up Halliburton, and that was that was shocking to me. That was out of left field. I I know you always gotta you have to give a chance for the Kings to do what the Kings do. But of all players, and I know I saw his name connected with the with the Sixers for Simmons. I just I thought that would be like the only place he would get traded to. And uh, if you're watching uh, like trade shows and you're listening to Woj and all these guys, the rest of the NBA was surprised too. Like it shocked everyone. So it has to be the Halliburton uh, Sabonis deal for me. Well, to me. Today had to be the Boston Celtics because a team that was over the luxury tax got under the luxury tax 
and acquired Derek White in the in in and and got rid of Schroeder today, got rid of Josh Richardson. They they gotta, you know, if you look at it by numbers, if you put a lineup of White, Smart, Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams, that's probably the best defensive group in the league. So they really got they really got good. They fortified themselves and got themselves under the luxury tax, which makes flexibility for them in the offseason. To me, I thought the Celtics did a great job today. Uh, tell, as far as that best defensive lineup in the league comment, tell that to Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson. I mean, yeah, they, they do that, but, I, I, you know, they, they, they match up. That gives them a run for their money because – that's a good defensive lineup the Celtics could put out there. So for me, I probably have to say it was the Kings trade as well. The Harden deal, I'm not gonna lie, like I kind of expected Harden to still be a, a net when the deadline passed, but there were too many rumblings of a deal like possibly getting done for for that to be it for me. But same as Los, like that. Trading Halliburton, like, and it's crazy because I wrote an article for Multiplicity.media recently um, doing midseason report cards for the Western Conference. And I wrote in, in that piece that the Sacramento Kings should be focusing on building around Tyrese Halliburton. But with the Kings being the Kings, of course, they're going to focus on building around Fox instead. And they did the most asinine shit and they traded Halliburton. Now, it's not even just about trading Halliburton. It's about what you got in return for Halliburton. I love Sabonis. He's a really good player. But what does he do for your team? You're still a playing team at best. They This doesn't make you a playoff team. This doesn't put you in a position to make more moves to make you a playoff team. Like, you should have gotten more. Giving up a, a young player like Halliburton with his potential, what he's done already, you you should have been able to pull off a trade where you got an actual star to come in. Not no, like, no disrespect as a bonus two-time All-Star, but I just feel like they got fleeced in this deal. Like the I Pacers, think the Pacers fleeced them for Sabonis. You know what it was? I heard they gauged the interest in Fox around the league. And a lot of teams, because of his shooting and how he's regressed in the last few years, they didn't want to take on that contract. So the only asset they had, we we think about it as standing back because we know the type of talent that Halliburton is. But to them, it's like that backcourt wasn't going to go insist. It's either one or the other. Both of them together weren't going to do it. So they, they decided that since they couldn't move Fox, they were just going to add somebody that could work with him, and they decided to bring in Sabonis. And think I think about like the you, incompetency. I'm yeah, sorry. It's stupid. No, no, no. I, I'm, I, that I'm saying that I'm, I'm just in your camp where I thought no, that no, was but, a stupid but What I was going to say is think about the incompetency of where you, you draft a point guard fifth overall, right? Then you, you end up signing him to a rookie max extension. And then you draft another point guard in the lottery. And then you draft another the, the, point the, the, guard in the lottery. <laughs> like, how does any of that make sense? And then you do all of that to stick with the point guard you drafted the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, none of this shit makes sense. So basically, you never added pieces that were going to help the team. Yeah, now. You, just, like, you just drafted to trade. 
which makes no sense. You can't tell me that you think that a backcourt of Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox are going to work, but you didn't think a backcourt of De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton was going to work. No, what you should have did was just waited to the offseason and tried to find a new home for De'Aaron Fox. They were appeasing Fox's ego. The problem is that when Fox was hurt, he saw that how Halliburton was cooking without him. And they were like, listen, this is the guy right here. This is the people who were talking. Fans, Kings fans were going crazy because of this trade. They were like, did you see what we were doing when Fox was gone? How the numbers were there? And the kid was spectacular. And Fox's ego took a hit, you know, and through grapevines. And they were hearing the talk and stuff like that. And since they couldn't move Fox's contract, they said these two guys can't be in the same room together anymore, on the same court anymore. So one of them has to go. And since Fox's contract scared the hell out of a lot, let me tell you, they put a call into every team possible. And no team would bark on that contract. They were scared. All his shooting numbers have been dipping. For the last few years, he cannot shoot for some reason. And teams are like, listen, we're not paying it. He has like 30-something million dollars at one point that you got to pay him. And people like, they weren't going to do that for a point guard who can't shoot. Yeah, I was on Spotify Green Room earlier, and I compared him to watching Russell Westbrook, but without the triple-doubles. Mm. Yeah, it's not, it's not off. You're not off on that. Unless he develops a shot from here in the next few years, I don't... I'm not really sure what they're doing there in Sacramento. It's just incompetency over and over again. I think all you need to know is they've been in the lottery for about a decade. And no matter how many lottery, you know, how many draft picks, how many high top 10 draft picks you have the ability to to draft, to select, they just haven't gotten it right. And then the one guy that they did get it right on, he's gone. He's gone. And I like the bonus. I like the bonus, but... Jeez, I, confusing stuff, man. Especially, you know, prior to the draft, people were, you know, were making fun of his shooting form. And in the NBA, he's played well. He shot well. Mm-hmm. He plays good defense. He's just a good young player who's not going to be making a lot of money. And kudos to, to the Pacers. You know, they with him, Duarte, I thought they were going to get rid of Turner. That was a surprise to me that they didn't, but they got a nice little start, and they're gonna get a. They, they should have a top ten pick this year too, so you know let the rebuild. But they're gonna begin, do though. what the the move for the Pacers will be now. That they what they're gonna do is they're gonna try to see if they can move Malcolm Brogdon in the off season, and that way they can add some more shooting around Halliburton and Duarte and those guys. Because at this point, it's redundant to keep Brogdon on the roster. Well, you got Halliburton. Duarte, Buddy, and then you add in Miles Turner, who can be the defensive anchor and shoot threes. They're going to be a better team than people. Than yeah, people gonna yeah, expect, yeah. To be honest. You know um, what? I, you know what I compared them to? I compared them to the Cavs of this year, next year, if they could get everything going. Do you think they sign Turner though? I don't think do they're think... as successful, but they they'll probably be as big of a surprise. Do you guys think they sign Turner or no? Yeah, well, now they Turner, do because they got Turner rid of still has another year, but well, it's not up to them. It's not up to them. It all depends on Turner because you know Turner said he wants a he he's on his Jeremy Grant shit. Like he wants a bigger role, bro. Like, and is like, is he gonna suck it up and realize that he's not gonna get that bigger role? Or, you know, you know, and, I think he will. I think he will now because Sabonis. Maybe is gone. he gets more touches, but I, like, yeah. so 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 here's the thing: Does he want to? This is what needs to be figured out between him and the Pacers. 
does he want to have a more versatile role? When he says he wants a bigger offensive role, does he want a more versatile role or does he want just a higher usage rate? I think he wants a more versatile role based off of the quotes that were in the athletic article a couple months ago. But um, just focusing on the trade deadline, who would you say was the biggest winner and biggest loser for you, Will? I think the biggest winner to me, like I said earlier, I think it was... Be, like, you know, it could go hard. It could go either way because I think I, people you mostly think it would be the Sixers, but like I said, I really love what Boston did. I think Boston really bolstered themselves. I think they added depth. They really, you know, they really they did what they had to do. Um, loser wise, losers. I gotta start with the Lakers. Um, believe it or not, the Dallas Mavericks. I. I don't. I, we didn't really talk about that KP trade. I just don't get it from both sides. Um, winner, I'm gonna. I, I said the Sixers earlier, so I'm gonna go with the Sixers, and I'm gonna go with most likely James Harden himself, as you know, he wanted out, he got out, and I liked what the Pelicans did. You know, getting. I'm not saying that it's gonna make them a contender. But adding C.J. McCollum was something that they needed to do. It gives them a little bit extra firepower. They're fighting for the play-in game. So between them and, oh, how did I forget the Clippers? The Clippers, I think they did a great job taking advantage of what Portland was trying to do. Um, I don't completely agree with what Portland's trying to do, but the Clippers got two good rotation players. I know uh, Larry might not agree with that. You know, we, we differ on... We differ on the players that the Clippers got, but for the position they're in, I think they got two good players to, you know, help help things going this year. I don't got no beef with the Clippers players that they got. You talking about Norm Powell and Robert Covington? Yes. I don't got no issues with them. I just don't think that Covington is as good as he used to be, and you still think he brings a ton of value when he brings very little. But he's he's not he's not a horrible player. I just I don't value him as much as you do is the best way to put it. But um, for me, biggest losers, I want to say the Mavericks because Spencer Dinwiddie's on their team, but they got rid of um, KP's contract. So biggest loser for me is the Lakers. They still got Russell Westbrook on their roster. This was their last real chance to improve this horrible, horrible horribly constructed roster this was their last chance like they're asked out now like this is a confirmation they ain't doing shit this year like no way no how are the lakers doing anything this year um the biggest winners for me um that's a tough one i guess i guess it's the 76ers to be honest you just added james harden to joel and and you didn't lose much on defense. Like you look, you gave up some depth. You gave up shooting. But you got James Harden and Joel Embiid now. Like that pick and roll combination is gonna be disgusting. They still got Thibel. They still got Tobias. Man, this they kept, Max, kept Maxi, which was big. And they kept Maxi. Ah shit. 
Oh uh, shit! I'm telling you, man, that that sixes the sixes are the biggest. They got, they got, they got, they got, and they don't have to deal with shooters, and they don't have to deal with the the media asking about Ben Simmons anymore, bro. Like they don't have that Ben Simmons cloud hanging over them no more. Like they, like there's such a like relief of a release of tension in Philly right now with the with Ben Simmons not being there no more, and then. You couldn't ask for a better scenario than getting a guy like James Harden over there. What's the over under on free throws a game for Harden and for Harden and Embiid? Thirty combined. Yeah, twenty five, thirty. Has to be. Has to be. I'm telling you, that's gonna be dangerous. I'd say about like twenty, twenty two. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Well, I mean, it all depends on how they officiate because the officiating has been weird. They weren't calling any fouls in the beginning. Now it feels like they're calling way too many fouls. When they find the middle ground for it all, I can see about like, yeah, about 20, 25 on average, yeah. Cause, cause, and it's really mostly going to be in B, to be honest. Like Harden, I don't think Harden's ever going to... I don't know if Harden ever gets the... To that the point again, bailout, yeah, the amount of bailouts he was getting from the refs, because like even before people started complaining about it, like OD, like low snows, I've been knocking Harden for the refs bailing him out for years and years and years. Like I've always been a fan of James Harden until I noticed how much the refs bailed him out and made him look better than he actually was. Because and it wasn't even just about him getting the foul calls and going to the free throw line so much. It was about the fact that if you really watched the play, most of the time it was an offensive foul. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like they just called a bullshit foul and he was and he was foul baiting. Like he was committing offensive fouls and the refs were calling them against the defender instead. But yeah, I, I don't know if he ever gets the foul calls he he used to, but Joel Embiid is is forever going to get those calls because he knows how to manipulate the refs. And on top of that, he really gets hit. Like, he he draws a lot of contact and he knows how to sell. So he's not going to get every foul call, but he's still going to get a lot. Well, um, we could wrap it up right here. This was a this is a fun this is a fun trade deadline. There was actually more action than I anticipated, to be honest, especially after such a boring morning. Like, nothing popped off till like, 1, 1 and then it was just rapid fire after that until 3 o'clock. But I hope you guys enjoyed the trade deadline. Will, enjoy your vacation. Stay thank safe you, out brother. there in the campos. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you guys have a good one, man, yes. Enjoy the weather out there. It's cold and nasty out here. Yeah, so enjoy that. See you soon, fellas. Yes, sir.